as we begin, I uh, want, to, want to mention about um, yesterday we had a funeral for, for Ed Walker, and uh, we are, you know, again, we were grateful for all the church family that was able to give them support, and uh, thankful that, um, you know, family felt the strength of your prayers and a uh, number of you who came to the, to the viewing, they so appreciated it. And so uh, continue to remember um, Lois and the family in prayer. Uh, a number of them are headed out today. They came from uh, a number of states, I don't know, six, eight different states to be here uh, for the weekend. So pray for them as they travel. But also we want to also remember uh, Dorothy in prayer, Dorothy Dingus, um, She's not doing very well, uh, so we have the family is making decisions about that. So we pray that God will always give us direction. Uh, he is the giver of life, and we continue to place ourselves in His hands, and we are safe. And we know that Dorothy is safe in His hands, and we just pray that God will give us give the the doctors and all all guidance, as um, you know He is. It's in His presence we are. We are safe. And that, that song, that I'm safe in the arms of my father, is one that is a very special one, is very important to me, because it is an expression of our faith, an expression of our trust, and we are grateful for that. And um, we're just grateful for how that God keeps us day by day. Amen? Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. The primary verse that I, I'm going to be speaking on is verse 17, but I want to, I want to read this from the uh, Message Bible, so uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 14 through verse 21, and the, the title of uh, my message today is All Things New. You know, we have spoken the last, last week, we, we spoke about, uh, anybody remember? The power of one, the value of one, how that each one of us as an individual is very important to God. And continuing on that, I want to read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. It says, Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrected life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now... We look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and Him, and then called us to settle our relationship with each other. God put the world square with Himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ representatives. 
God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work for making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could put so that we could be put right with God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. The value of one. All things new. Jesus told us about the, the shepherd who had a hundred sheep. Ninety-nine were safe and one was lost. What did the shepherd do? The shepherd went out and sought, looked for, searched the one, for the one until he found it. He let us know the value of one. And in that relationship that he seeks to have with us is the value of one, meaning that no one is more important than another one. So we all are equal in that value system. Now we know also that we have talents and abilities that God has given to us that, that we are to develop and that we are to find our purpose for how we as an individual are to live our life. So with this wonderful knowledge, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Christians are brand new people. Christians are brand new people. And they are brand new on the inside. You know, we, we mentioned this in Sunday school. Um, you remember the show, what was it? Makeover? Extreme Makeover? You know? They didn't ask me to be on there. Should have. <laughs> That's where they give people new teeth and orthodontals and surgeries and rearrange their nose and their ears and, you know, new hairdos, new wardrobes and they come out after three or four weeks of all of this and wow, what a wonderful, beautiful person they are. Well, the extreme makeover that God does with us is not, a, um, is not that we are a reformed individual, okay? We're not rehabilitated and we're not re-educated. We are recreated. <laughs> we are recreated. We are created anew, a new spirit. Renew a right spirit within us. Create a clean heart in me, O God. Renew a right spirit. Renew my thinking. Renew my approach to life. We are recreated, a new creation, living in a vital union with Jesus Christ. Jesus, who is the one who sought the one, that we would be one with him that we are united with him. So our conversion is not merely a turning over a new leaf. Our conversion is not about a new beginning that we would start up at the new year, but we are beginning a new life under a new master, a new life because it has been we have been created anew in Christ Jesus. And all of this is from God. All of this is from God. God brings us back to himself. It's called reconciliation, bringing us back to the place that God has for us. We're no longer God's enemies. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer foreigners. We are one with Christ. Anybody ever replaced a, a carpet in your house? Did you haul it out to the garage? 
and get out the loom and start to restring every fabric? <laughs> you didn't do that. What'd you do? You threw it in the garbage and went and got a new one. Well, the idea is that we're not creating this, we're not restringing the old me. We are creating the new me, the new creation that God has, the person that God wanted us to be whenever he formed us in our mother's womb. Here's a question. How many, know, how many know that we can make choices in our life, our personal life, our families and friends that can end up hindering us? <laughs> how many know that in the next three weeks we can make choices that would end up hindering us and be bad choices? How many know that we could do that? Uh, the rest of you never made those? <laughs> but we also know that we can make good choices in the next three weeks that will be a benefit to, to ourselves and to our families, to our friends, and so on. We know that we can, make fam- we can make good choices. And the idea is we can choose. You see, we can choose. We have the ability to choose. And that choice is what gives us, makes us different. We're not, we're not um, blaming other people. We're not blaming the government. We're not blaming the circumstances. We are looking at our ability to choose. Now, our past is important. Why? Because it brought us here. But our past should never be the influencer of our present. What is the influencer of our present? Our hope for the future. If you don't have hope for the future, you do not have power in the present. If you know that you're going to... This isn't true, Ethan. You know this, right? Okay, remember this? You ready? Ready for this? If you knew that you were going to fail the test, that you're going to... Suppose you were going to take a test tomorrow, and I told you right now, there's no way you're going to fail the test tomorrow, and there's no way you're ever going to pass it. Would you study for it? No. <laughs> no matter what you do, you're going to fail. What happens whenever we feel like we're going to fail? We don't prepare. We don't prepare. If there is no use to doing, there's no need for me to say good things. Why? Because it never works. So then what do you do? You don't say good things. If you, know, if you are without hope in the future, there's no power in the present. If, things, if you don't believe that things can ever be good for you in your life, how is you? How, are, how is you? <laughs> how is you? <laughs> Is you fine? <laughs> How is you? <clears throat> okay, let me bring back that. Okay. Uh, it, you know, how are you? There you go. <laughs> so what decisions are you going to make? So how you view your future determines how and the power you have in your present. And if we feel that we, ha- we are powerless to change, if we are powerless to make right choices, then we, don't, then we give up trying to make them. And that's what the scriptures are telling us, that we have hope for our future. So we come back to make decisions in our present. We have hope of life. We have hope of eternity. 
Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. We have a hope of heaven. We have a hope that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. There is a plan. We may not understand it. We may not agree with it. We may not know, you know, and we may never know till eternity how all these things come about. But there is hope. And why is there hope? Because God is in me. God has spoken those words of hope to me. Therefore, I have power. I am, I am powerful in this moment to make choices. Because I will make choices that will either be good for me or bad for me. <laughs> I will make choices that are either good or bad for me. And you are the one choosing them. You choose your friends. <laughs> you choose your conversation. You choose how you think. You choose what you think about. I know I've used this story before, but I'll use it again. I've been, you know, I'm old. Uh, <laughs> there's this, this Eskimo, and he had a black dog and a white dog. Okay? And they used to fight. And he used to fight them. This was in northern uh, Alaska, and whenever they were, did dog fights and stuff. And it's not what you do anymore, because you'll get arrested for it. <laughs> it's cruelty to animals. But anyhow, this guy had these two dogs, and, they were, and he would pit them against each other. And every week they'd have these fights, and people would come and bet money on which one would win this week and so on. But the guy who was the trainer, the guy who owned the dogs, he never lost. He never lost. And so the people, after a while, you know, after the do- you know, retired the dogs and all that stuff, and they didn't fight anymore, okay, they went up to him and they asked, how did you know which dog was going to win? And he said, well, obviously the one I fed all week would. <laughs> the one I fed during the week would win because it would be stronger. If I didn't feed it, it was weaker than the other one. I knew it was going to win. What thoughts do you feed? (laughs) What thoughts do you think about? What choices over and over do you make? You see, uh, and this this is the power of the Word of God to influence us with hope of change. If we have no hope of change... We will think the same thoughts. We will do the same things. We will expect the same results. And guess what? You're going to get it. And that's your faith. And that's our faith in action. Our faith in action is a hope of what we shall become. And we do not turn it over to fate. We turn it over to God's Spirit to give us the ability, the power to choose. And we choose to believe. We choose to believe that there is the, we are capable through Jesus Christ to change. If we could not change, we would be without hope. If we could not change, we would be without hope. But Jesus Christ gives us hope because we can change. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his word. He empowers us in our thoughts and our actions. We read the scriptures. We pray. We believe. Now, you say, well, things don't happen the way that I believe. Well, that's correct. 
because if God ran the world the way each of us believe, we'd be colliding (laughs) and it would be a mess because we can't see beyond ourselves. We can't see beyond our own purpose. We can't see beyond our own actions. We can't see beyond what is in front of us. And we only can interpret what we see and how we see it. God sees it all, and he plans, and he has a purpose for our life. And if we believe that, we have hope. Paul, whenever he was writing, he told the people, if Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead, we are of all people most miserable and without hope. And everything we believe is a lie. Paul Paul said that. Because if Jesus isn't risen from the dead, none of this means anything. And the early disciples in the early church, they saw Jesus. John says, we beheld him. We held him. Ethan, come here. I'm picking on Ethan today. What did I do? What did I do? I got a hold of him, right? This is beheld. (laughs) You weren't expecting that, were you? No. (laughs) I got you the second one I did that to today. (laughs) And they said... This is what John said. We beheld him, Jesus. Then, turn around here. Straighten up, boy. John, this is, is, to me, this is one of the most, this is, I'm sorry. John did this. Turn around. To Jesus. You're Jesus. John laid his head on his chest of Jesus. He was that close to him. He was that close. He says, we beheld God. And he was alive. And he held him like this. The Bible said he laid, he literally laid his head upon the chest of Jesus. On the chest of God. That's holding God. And I know he's real. You love me, brother? Oh, it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have brought one of the ladies up, but you know, you might think, oh, yeah. (laughs) But we understand whenever we see this and when we're talking about it and we're talking about Jesus, this is not... This is not just thinking about God. It's not re-educating us. We're not being re-educated. We are looking at the recreation of a new heart. Our heart being created new. Our spirit being created again. A new, a right, a right spirit within us that the Spirit of God creates this in us. Just as the Spirit of God hovered over the earth and 
created the earth and created the atmosphere and created all these things, His Spirit, in our songs, in our worship, in our communion, in our prayers, He creates in us. God is not done creating. He creates a right spirit in you. He creates a right attitude in you. And you and I choose if we're going to accept it or reject it. We choose whether we are going to allow this spirit to be alive in us. We choose life. Because God is the giver of life. And he gives it to us. And we say, thank you, Lord. (laughs) I mean, shouldn't we say something more? (laughs) Thank you, God. I have hope. And when I have hope, I have power in the moment. Power in the moment. I am powerful in this moment. Why? Because I have hope. I have hope of a new life. I have hope of eternal life. I have hope that I know that God will never leave me nor forsake me. I have hope that life is more than what I see and what I touch and that there is something more about it because God is alive in me and he is alive in me for a purpose, a divine purpose. And that divine purpose will live for an eternity in me. Whether I live or whether I die, I am God's. I make decisions with the power of knowing God is with me. When I choose not to lie, when I choose not to steal, when I choose not to bear false witness, when I choose not to break God's commandments. I choose life. I choose purpose. I choose those things because of hope that is in me. You see, I'm believing, and and it's not just that I am saying these things to change your mind. I am saying these things that we could be aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. I can't do that for you. God can God will, God is doing that in you. So there is hope for your test for tomorrow. There is hope for your future. There is hope for what you want to do with your life. There is hope, and so in that hope you will make choices, and you will study, and you will, you know, it's, I remember, this is a true story. Years ago, there was this lady who came to church only once in a while, okay? And and I never understood. When we would stand, she would sit. We would sing, she would talk. When I would preach, she would read something. I never understood why she came, but she'd come once in a while. So anyhow, this individual said to me one night, she said, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I'm taking a test. And she was taking a test for her nursing. She was going to be a nurse. And... Um, I don't know whether it was an LPN or an RN or whatever, but she was taking a test for her, for her, her boards. Okay? I said, okay, we'll pray. A couple weeks later, she came by. She was mad. She said, you didn't pray for me. I goes, what? I mean, she really did. She really kind of, you, she stuck her finger right at me. She said, you didn't pray for me. I said, 
why? What happened? She says, I failed my test. I almost said, well, did you study? <laughs> I didn't, you know, I'm sorry, you know, you, you failed. Well, will you try it again? Yeah, but I'm not going to ask you to pray. <laughs> All right, I won't pray for you next time. Maybe you will pass. I don't know. But, you know, you have a choice. We have choices, and in those choices, we choose to study. And, you know, if we study and do our part and it still doesn't work, okay, you know. I know that part. Uh, <laughs> but the idea is that God has given us the ability to choose. I'll finish with this. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I'm going to talk about how that one-on-one, the value of one, and how valuable you are. Now, as individual ones, we all have gifts. We each have a gift or gifts, things that we do, can do, that are, that are giftings for us. You know, they are your special giftings God has put in your life so that you will then have the ability to, and and the giftings that we have are for one another, for the common good. So what God gives to you in your life is not something that you are to squander or, and just all about me, be self-absorbed. It's about how you, you and I are going to take those giftings and use them in the serving of others. So we have the value of our choices and how that they will be good for our life, but also how that they will have an impact on other people. And God has given them to us not only for our own use, but for the, for the common good. Okay. You must first discern your gifts and use every opportunity to sharpen them. You must learn from your mistakes and be, ten- be tenacious about what God is calling you to do. Okay? Now, here's the story. In high school, Spanky, that was his nickname, he flunked Latin, he flunked algebra, English, and physics. He made the golf team, but promptly lost the only match of the season. And then he lost the consolation match. He was awkwardly social. He was more shy than he was disliked. He never once asked a girl out on a date in high school. One thing, however, was very important to Spanky, drawing. He was proud of his awkward, excuse me, he was proud of his artwork, even though nobody else appreciated it. He submitted cartoons to the editor of his high school yearbook, but they were rejected. Even so, he aspired to be an artist. After high school, he sent some of, his, some of his samples of his work to Walt Disney Studios. Again, they were rejected. But Spanky didn't quit. He decided to write his autobiography in cartoons. The popularity of this cartoon strip eventually led to countless books and television shows. You see, Spanky was Charles Schultz, creator of Peanuts, comic strip the most famous cartoonist of all times. Like his main character, Charlie Brown, Schultz seemed unable to succeed 
at many things. But he made the most of his God-given talents. He refused to quit, ended up sharing his gift with the world. Hmm. Use your gift. Godly people will make you feel important. But godly people will challenge your faith and cause your faith to be sharpened. That if you're going to be, you know, if you're going to be a genius, what kind of a genius are you going to be? And I, I I don't say that because some, some people are extremely intelligent. And some of them are so intelligent, they can't even communicate with people. What kind of a genius are you going to be? And each of us are our own unique genius. And what type of a genius are you going to be? Because no one else has your fingerprint. No one else has your signature. No one else has your abilities. You are uniquely a genius in your own right. Now, how are you going to use that genius for God and for the well-being of others? The value of one, the unique reality that God has called us to is to choose. Choose empowers us to choose based upon the hope that we have in our hearts. Charles Schultz would not allow people to take away his hope. He kept drawing his cartoons. And we all know of him. In our lives, we each are empowered to make decisions based upon the hope that we have. And Christ gives us hope of what we can become.